Well, hello and good day, spectacular, marvelous, wonderful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you today. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing fantastic. We have an absolutely phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have PhD Ryan Godfreyson on, and we are talking about success mindsets, your keys to unlocking greater success in life, work, and leadership. Ryan is truly an expert in this field, and as synchronicity would have it, his book, Success Mindsets, launched today, and it is an absolutely fantastic piece of work. We cover a lot in this podcast. We cover a lot of what's in this book, and here's a little bit of what we talk about. We talk about uh, what is leadership, what makes a great leader, uh, what are the drivers of success, the success pyramid, the most foundational of all drivers of success, why are mindsets are unconscious. Uh, the mindset assessment, and this is also in the book, the four different sets of mindsets, the four desires, self-limiting desires, inward mindset versus out, outward mindset, um, why our education promotes a fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset, and so much more. This is a fantastic episode. It is super practical and full of very good, high-quality effective information on psychology, success, and mindset. And I know you're going to love it. And if you do, please take a moment to share this on Instagram. Tag me and Ryan on Instagram. Share it on your Facebook. Share the YouTube video. Just do what you can to get it out there. It really helps immensely. You can also leave a review in iTunes. All reviews are so, so helpful. So if you take a moment to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And I want to thank Coach Lisa for leaving this one, and it says, Wisdom Seekers, this is your go-to podcast. Matt Belair is clearly a seeker and sage who helps us understand the phenomena of science, spirituality, and ancient wisdom. He chooses some of the most advanced minds in the world to interview, and his episode topics keep us on the ball, thirsty, and coming back for more. This is a must subscription for anyone looking to push the boundaries of the human mind and expand their consciousness. So thank you so much for taking a moment to leave that review. It helps immensely and I really appreciate it. And also the best thing that you can do if you want to support the show as always is do a kind act in your community today. If not three kind acts is even better. Uh, that would be great. Get someone's name. Let someone in in traffic. Pick up a piece of trash. Say a kind word. Write a note to a friend uh, that you haven't spoken to a while in a while. Let them know you appreciate them. That is awesome. And also Patreon. Thank you everyone who supports on Patreon. I've created tiers and I'm doing like a tier thing and sharing some amazing exclusive content that I now have from all of these incredible guests. So I want to thank Sophia who went to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and tossed a buck in the bucket. That was super helpful and very, very appreciated. For those of you guys who want to level up and you want to take another step, you want to work with me in a little bit more of a one-on-one capacity, there are a few ways. The Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Academy is now open the 21 day challenge is almost complete and is now the 21 day transformation series i did 21 video lessons they're amazing and i am looking at going through them one more time refining them and making them amazing and they're really spectacular right now everybody's had a fantastic result and really is experiencing a level of clarity and of real understanding of what it is that they want so many people struggle with where they want to go and what it is that they truly want so 
Everyone who's gone through this transformation challenge has really experienced a new level of clarity and focus and has a plan to actually execute and move forward. So if you're interested in going through that, check out the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Academy. You can find it at mattbailair.com. And if you want to work one-on-one and just go you know, work together on uncovering your life purpose, breaking through those limiting beliefs, self-sabotage programs, uh, get crystal clear on what it is that you want to experience here, find your life calling, uh, and, and really just pursue your meaning, your purpose, dive into anything like that, hit me up, Matt at zenathlete.com. Happy to help you out. So that's it. Let's wrap this up and come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into this incredible episode. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, and ready to take on this fantastic episode with Ryan Gottfriedson. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a mental success coach and cutting-edge leadership consultant, author, trainer, and researcher. He helps improve organizations, leaders, teams, and employees by improving their mindsets and mindfulness. He holds a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources and is a leadership and management professor at the Mahalo College of Business and Economics at California State University, Fullerton. He is a well-published leadership management and organizational behavior researcher in several industry-leading journals. He has consulted for dozens of organizations across a variety of industries, including banking, healthcare, education, and energy including being a research lead with Gallup, Inc. He is the author of the new book, Success Mindsets, Your Keys to Unlocking Greater Success in Life, Work, and Leadership. Welcome to the show, Ryan Godfredson. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. You've got such a great podcast, so I, uh, I feel blessed that you trust me to put me in front of your audience. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, you know, you sent me out a book. You're very kind to do that. I received it. I got to go. I only got to flip through it, sadly, um, because I get a lot of content. But as I went through the chapters and look at what the way that you've laid it out, it's very impactful. And my favorite thing about looking at it immediately is there's looks like there's very minimal like fluff. Like, I want to know how to do it. I want to know the structure. I want to know the how to I got to be able to apply it. And it looks like the However, you've decided to lay it out and probably with all the research you've done, you've been able to give very practical ways to improve your mindset and apply it in different areas. So it looks like fantastic work. I'm going to be quiet now and let you introduce yourself to my audience. So why don't you give yourself a little bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a leadership professor at Cal State Fullerton. So uh, my main part of my job is doing research and teaching leadership. And then in addition to that, I do a fair amount of leadership development work for organizations. uh, And that's where my writing fits in with my book. And uh, how I kind of got to where I am now started when I was in high school. And you'll probably like this, Matt, since you, you come from the athlete background is my favorite class in high school was sports psychology. And I ate it up, I loved it. We had to read books like Stephen R. Covey's Seven Habits. And then I read three books by by different basketball 
coaches, all on leadership. And I remember thinking as a high schooler, man, if I could just study leadership for my career, then that would be awesome. But I didn't know that there was a field out there and that there was jobs out there where you could study leadership. So a couple years later, I'm living in Massachusetts and I met a Harvard Business School professor and I asked him what he taught. And he said, organizational behavior. It's like, what's that? And he essentially said, it's the psychology behind business and leadership. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I can have a job in this area? He's like, yeah. So from that point on, that was my goal, was to, to become a professor. Uh, and so I did my PhD at Indiana University in organizational behavior and human resources. And I focused on leadership. So that was what my dissertation was on. And as I got into the leadership research, I really, my dissertation essentially summarized the last 70 years of leadership research. And the primary focus of leadership research over the last 70 years has focused on behaviors. So what do leaders need to do to be successful? And that's not a bad approach, but in my mind, it didn't sit very well because it, it seems a little short-sighted. And my guess is that you would probably agree with me that leadership is more than just doing the right thing. It's about being a certain type of person and somebody that others want to follow. And so for the last five, six years, I've been trying to focus on this being element of leadership. And really it applies to all aspects of our lives, not just in the business setting, but how do you become somebody that could be a positive influence on the lives of others? And all of that effort has led me to mindsets. And we, my guess is we could kind of explore why that is. Um, but that's, that's essentially my story and how I got to where I am. That sounds amazing, man. I'm super curious about all of it. Um, so why don't we just dive right in? Because I, I'm, I love the idea of leadership and have explored that as well. But it sounds like your research is massive. And I think about it in two questions. One is, what makes a great leader? And then the second thing is, like, how do we become that? And so I'll give it back to you to kind of break that down. Are those quality ways to dive into it? No, for sure. Yeah, so what makes a great leader? And this is always tricky because it depends on how we define leadership. And I'm not sure we define leadership uh, in the best ways generally. So the way that I define leadership is the use of power and influence to direct others to goal achievement. And one of the things that I love about this definition is it suggests that leadership is not about a position or within an organization or a place within an organizational hierarchy. Leadership is about having influence on other people and particularly a positive influence on other people. But, but we know people that have had positive influences. We know people who have had negative influences on, on others and on society. So what's the difference between them? And I think that that's really critical to answer, how do we become this better leader? And, and in order, for, what we found is that there's two different forms of power that we could rely upon to influence others. One form of power is what we call organizational power. So this is when we draw power from the position that we hold, or we use some form of rewards or punishments to get others to do what we want them to do. And, and this is the most common form of leadership within organizations, I think in, in really all settings, because it's relatively easy to gain. All you have to do is be promoted, and it's relatively easy to use. All you gotta do is offer up some sort of reward or punishment. But the long-term effect of using this power is always going to be negative. On the other hand is personal power. 
So personal power is when we have power because we have some form of expertise upon which other people rely, or we are somebody that because of who we are, they want to follow us. And when we lead with this form of power, then, then that's the basic idea. People follow us because they want to, not because they have to. So let me give you two stereotypical leaders, right? There's uh, that have been incredibly impactful. One is Adolf Hitler and the other is Martin Luther King Jr. So Adolf Hitler primarily relied upon organizational power to bring about the outcomes that he wanted. Martin Luther King Jr., on the other hand, he didn't have any sort of organizational power. All he had was personal power. He was somebody that because of the values of which he espoused, other people wanted to be associated with him. And, and because of that, uh, he had a much more positive impact on society. So, so that's the first key is what is the power base that we're leading from? So if we can understand that leadership is about having a positive influence, then the next step is we need to develop and have more of this personal power, become somebody that other people want to follow and be influenced by. I love that. That's a, yeah, that's a really great distinction as well. And can you share some of the ideas? Like I know your book is actually like with the mindsets and how you break it down. It's, it's broken down very well in, I like the idea of growth mindset and a fixed mindset because I'm going through Carol Dweck's book. And I think that you expand on that and add other elements because that's an entire book that's very important just on those two ideas. And you have other ideas that I feel like are equally important. So do you want to share a little bit about uh, those differences and maybe some of the mindsets that you've discovered in your research? Yeah, for sure. So when we understand that to be an effective leader and to be a positive influence on the lives of others, we need to become a certain type of person. Well, then the question becomes, how do we become that person? And um, I don't know what your history is, Matt, with regards to your own personal development. But when I look back on my own personal development, I've always been kind of a, a self-help junkie, that a lot of my experience has been rather frustrating. Because, and here's the reason why, if we can imagine a pyramid and at the top is success, and what we wanna do is we wanna shift that forward and become more successful. Well, what's the next layer under that pyramid? So what, what is the immediate driver of our success? Well, that's gonna be our behaviors. So what we do shapes how successful we are. And this is where I think that 90% of people focus if they want to improve their success. but it's a little bit limited because there's other factors that drive our behaviors. So what's the next level down in that pyramid? So what is it that drives our behaviors? Well, that's going to be our thinking. How we think drives how we behave. How we behave drives our success. Well, and I think about 9% of people probably focus on thinking when it comes to their development. But again, there's still another layer that we need to get to, and it's our most foundational layer that drives both our thinking and our behaviors, and that's our mindsets. So our mindsets are how we see and interpret the world around us. So how we see the world shapes how we think about the world, shapes how we behave within the world, and then shapes our success. So for example, and you work with a lot of athletes, if you have an athlete that is, sees a challenge as something that will expose maybe some of their flaws, um, they're gonna be inclined to avoid it. They're gonna think this is a situation I need to avoid and they're not gonna put forth more effort. That's kind of that more fixed mindset perspective. 
but if they see this uh, challenge as an opportunity to learn and grow, then they're able to approach that. So again, how we see our world shapes how we think, how we behave, and how successful we are. And, and here's what's problematic, is that if we try to become more successful by focusing on our behaviors and thinking, and we aren't talking about mindsets, our prevailing mindsets are gonna continually, continually resist the efforts that we're trying to make and the changes that we're trying to make to our thinking and our behavior. A much better approach is to push forward our mindsets. As, our, as we push forward our mindsets, our thinking and our behavior will naturally follow. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love all that. And what it's gonna make me kind of follow up with is, I, I agree with the fundamental idea that it's our mindset. And also it's interesting because when you think about thoughts being a very fundamental thing, um, some of them just come out of nowhere. You're going about your day and your mind is just going nuts. And so where do these thoughts come from? But the thoughts will lead to behaviors and they also lead to emotions. And so if we're not aware of those thoughts and what's happening there, we might be getting super emotional. Just the example, an easy example would be you're driving your car, somebody cuts you off, you have a thought and an immediate emotional reaction. And that happens because of just the way that your mind is operating, kind of like on autopilot or default if you don't check For it. Sure. Yeah. And what it seems like you're sharing here, would you say that the mindsets are the more empowering frames? Like, you know, the fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So fixed would be I lose, so therefore I am a loser, or I'm not going to take this challenge because if I fail at that, then I won't get love for my friends or family. And in a society where it is so, um, what's the word, being pushed upon everyone to be successful, to have the material items, to be a certain way, to not fail, to not show your vulnerability, it's very challenging to say, hey, okay, well, I hear you. You're saying have a growth mindset, um, you know, be okay with failure, but it's not okay. That's not a safe thing to do. And can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more about either how you see mindsets as frames and then how do they grow into characteristics? Because I think that when we, when we have an idea, if we want, when you're talking about being, it's a characteristic, you know, who was Martin Luther King being? Who are the yep. people that you admire? Who, like how, were, how do they show up in the world? What were their characteristics? And when we can identify those, it kind of gives an aim for our thoughts. And then the mindset are those frames you shape around them. And I was hoping you could speak on that. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is where the really cutting edge research is coming in about mindsets. You see, when we encounter a situation, and it could be any situation, what, what our brain is programmed to do is pick up on specific cues that we think are going to be most beneficial for us navigating that situation. So when we encounter a situation, we, we can potentially pick up on thousands, if not millions of cues but we can't process all of that information. So what our brain does is it simplifies and identifies specific cues that we need to take in. And what directs this is our mindsets. Uh, so our mindsets are these neural connections within our prefrontal cortex. So when all the stimulus comes into our brain, it's our mindsets that, that filter in and identify these specific cues that we will then take in for our processing and our behavior. And so that's the first thing that our mindsets do, is they, they identify specific cues in the environment to pay attention to. The second thing that they do is they cause us to interpret those cues in a, in a, in a certain way, in our own unique way. And how, so the cues that we take in and how we interpret those 
what that does is it activates different aspects about ourselves, our personality, our goals, our self-regulation processes. Um, and, and so what it does is our, our mindsets, the information that they take in, activates certain processing dispositions and behavioral dispositions. And so when you talk about our being and our character traits, what our mindsets are doing is, and over time, our mindsets strengthen, these neural connections strengthen, solidifying a little bit more what our, our processing and behavioral dispositions will be to these different cues in the environment, such as, again, we'll go back to challenge. Do you see challenge as something to avoid, or do you see challenge as an opportunity to learn and grow? Whatever neural connection is stronger within your brain, that will dispose you to processing and behaving in those situations in their own unique ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think about um, neural pruning, you know, and, yep. and the mental maps. And I remember studying neuro-linguistic programming. And for those who haven't, I highly recommend reading just a basics, basic book on it because it helps you understand the way your mind thinks um, and works. But, you know, when they talk about neural maps and it's your view of the world. And if your view of the world is very negative, you know, when, when, it, when something happens, you're going to attach that meaning to solidify the belief, right? And so if somebody cuts you off in traffic, it then means life is hard and terrible and people just walk all over me and this and that. And if you have a, a different mindset, a different frame around it, you might just brush it off and, and, and think, you know, I'm the creator of my reality. I'm totally peaceful no matter what happens. And I can influence things in a positive way and adapt to any challenge that comes my way. It's just a frame. And we have that ability. But the problem when you don't have one that might be more empowering and more freeing is that you have that way of operating. So automatically, you're going to keep attaching the meaning to solidify that old frame until you decide what that new frame would be. And then what happens over time as you kind of like nip it in the butt, I, I, I give the example of it's like a slide An external experience happens. And because the net is so big, like a spider's web, it's able to catch onto that meaning and say, you know what, that means you're not good enough. That means this, that means yeah. that and the negative yeah. thing. And there's so many feelers to make that happen. But when you stop that and say, so what do I want? Shout out Michael Lozier for that one. It's so brilliant. And you switch to what you would prefer. You stop that energy and the neurology that's going on in the brain. And you know that way better than me. Um, and then you start to build a framework that you prefer. And over a while, that stuff that's not being used in the old webbing will begin to fall away and you'll get this new wonderful webbing. Maybe like the webbing behind me, this nice <laughs> yep. golden positive one. And it's just a frame in how you see the world. No, that's perfect. And so one of the things that you're talking about that we need to remember and just recognize is one, our mindsets are foundational to everything that we do because they're shaping the information that our brain is taking in. And, and then the second thing that you're pointing out is for most of us, our mindsets are not something that we're conscious of. But, and when we're not conscious of them, they're directing our lives and we don't even know it. And there's a great, great quote um, that I'll share with you. This is from Carl Jung. He says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Right? So our mindsets are going on underneath the surface and they're directing our lives whether we recognize it or not. And here's one of the kickers about it is that most of us think that the way that we see the world is the best way to see the world. And the reason why I am confident that I could say that is because if we thought we could see the world better, we would have done so already. 
our life experience and the situations that we are in have taught us that how we see the world is the best way to see the world. But until we make our mindsets, we become conscious of our mindsets, we won't have the power to be able to change those. And so that's really where most of my work focuses on is how do we make people conscious of their mindsets? And one of the things that I do to help is I, I help put labels on mindsets. And, and it's not my ideas. This is, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm pulling together research over the last 30 years in different areas of study, such as psychology, uh, education, management, and marketing. And, and there's mindsets have been studied for decades. And if we could just learn about them, put labels to them, now these are things that we can become conscious of. That's amazing. And when I'm working with athletes, and I'm curious if you see it the same way, I talk about limiting beliefs or just what your belief is, because those foundational beliefs um, and things like, you know, I'm safe or I'm not safe, like how people, it's interesting you know, working with people who might be 40 or 50 or 60 and they had a childhood and it's like zero to six. It might not even been the worst childhood, but maybe you just didn't get a lot, enough love from a parent or maybe the environment wasn't safe. People hold on to that their whole life. And it's the yeah. reason why they sabotage. It's the reason why they do certain things that aren't going to help their life uh, move in a direction that they choose, you know, it'll kind of like sabotage them a little bit. Yep. And it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff out there about um, healing and shadow work, and it can get a little bit uh, fluffy and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm always looking for the tools that will work the most effectively. And one of the things you shared, I think is so important is that uh, Carl Jung quote and how do you do that? How do you start by saying, hey, you're not even aware of what you're not conscious of. You don't even know, right? How do you find those limiting beliefs? Once you find them, then you can say, so what do I want? How do I make it empowering? So one of them in athletic, and that's why I like extreme sports and athletics, because it takes all of this stuff with personal development and it makes it immediate. Because if yep. you frig it up, you have an immediate consequence. And so <laughs> I always use the backflip example because everybody thinks about it. But you're going to go do a backflip and you think, I'm no good at snowboarding. I've never been any good. I've never been a good athlete. And you go to try to do it, you're probably going to fall on your head. And you might only do that once or twice before you throw it, you throw it away because you're not going to put yourself at that risk anymore. But we're doing that in subtle ways throughout our life and just sabotaging so we're experiencing this pain for a long time. So the question is, can you speak about how do we elicit those negative mindsets and move them towards a more powering positive mindset? Yeah. So what I anticipate we're going to do in our conversation is we're going to talk through different sets of mindsets that have been identified by research as being foundational to our thinking, our learning, and our behavior. And so as we put labels to these, we're going to be able to get a sense of what mindsets do, do I have? But then in addition to that, and something that I'll invite all the listeners to do, it is I've created a tool, a mindset assessment that people can take. It's free on my website. And they answer 20 questions, and they'll get a comprehensive report of the quality of their mindsets relative to the 10,000 other people who have taken my mindset assessment. So this is, what the assessment does is gives you really objective information about the quality of your mindset. So it short tracks an understanding of what our mindsets are, but it also helps us to identify what mindsets do we need to have more of. And, and once we can identify where we are, 
now we have a starting place. Once we can identify the mindsets we want to have, now we have a direction on where to go. Now we could do something about it because we've got labels to these mindsets. So we'll start this as we have our conversation because we're going to put labels to mindsets. We're going to help us identify, okay, maybe I have more of this mindset as opposed to this mindset. We'll do that. But if people really want to drive this home, I've got my mindset assessment that can really help with that. And then once we have these identification of where we are, where we want to go, we can get really specific about how we shift our mindsets. Yeah, that sounds great. And where can they find that assessment? I, I took it and I thought it was really well done. And I feel like it's very important because a lot of the quizzes are out there or um, the things that are supposed to like help you understand yourself. You've put it together in a very effective way. It gives you quality feedback with more understanding of how you're thinking so you can get it outside of the mind because when we're in our loops in our brain it kind of just stays that way and the way our brains operate it just wants to stay the same it's safe so even if it's not the most um, optimistic or it's not the most efficient or productive it's gonna stay that way just to keep you know keep its identity the way it is and when you see it outside and, you, and you're reading it back you're going to now have an opportunity to, to shift those things because I like the, the quote saying it's fate. You know, this is yeah. just the way I am. I can't change. I, this is permanent. And that's not true. And anybody who has researched mindset or personal development or self-improvement knows that that's not the case, that we all have that capability. No one said it's going to be easy. And that's another kind of trick in our modern world. It's like you want the quick, easy biohack and no work. Some things are more effective than others, and some things you might have a, a big leap in, in a direction, but it's, it might take a little bit of awareness and a little bit of time and a little bit of compassion on yourself. But when you start paddling in another direction and you're like, I'm going to stop you know, beating myself in the head with this stick, and I didn't even recognize I kept beating myself in the head with the stick, you can start to put the stick down a little bit more often and have a different experience. Yep, for sure. I think sometimes we're like, if you've ever seen a baby when the baby's uh, first learns to crawl, maybe they'll cr crawl under a table, maybe a coffee table or something like that, and they'll get stuck. And they'll just like wail and cry. And the solution to their problem is all they need to do is back up. But they don't know how to do it yet. And they don't recognize that that's all that they need to do. And I think many times, and myself included, we find ourselves in a position that we're stuck. And we're, we're blaming the table that has gotten in our way. But the reality is, is it was our own mindsets that got us where we are, and it's our mindsets that'll get us out of that. And so hopefully with my mindset assessment, and that's on my website at ryangotfordson.com, uh, that, that what it does is it just helps people awaken to their current mindsets. And like you said, it's not going to be surprising if people have negative mindsets. But what I found is across these 10,000 people, only 5% have, have all four of the mindsets that I focus on as being consistently positive. So 95% of us, myself included, have got mindset work to do. And, and the reality is, is we probably have never given concerted effort to improving our mindsets for most people. And if you've never given concerted effort to improving your mindsets, should you expect to have great mindsets? Well, no. So what the mindset assessment does is, again, just kind of helps us identify what's our starting place, nothing to beat ourselves up over, and it helps us identify the direction that we need to go. So hopefully we just approach it with a really positive, all right, let's, let's get on this mindset wagon and let's, let's improve ourselves. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of important points in there. I think the first thing is that when you understand that you can influence your mindset or your life or you can back out, it puts the power back on you and not the obstacle. And a lot of the coaching I've done recently has really come on this idea with like, it's a creative person that wants to be a writer. It's a, a person that wants to, um, you know, they're having a lot of battles in their life and everything external was really challenging. And so they were depressed, defeated, like really dark place. And it's because the external was the focus always. So I can't write this book because then maybe people will say it's no good. Well, could you get to a place where you wrote the book and everybody looked you right in the face and said, that's terrible and still be okay? That's a super powerful mindset. Not easy oh, yeah. to do. It would take mastery. But if you want to create it, you can create it. And when you focus on the potential person talking crap to you, whatever that may be, your, or the table, right, in this example, yep. then you're stuck. And it takes all of your power, right? That baby could figure out, you know, 55 different ways, a thousand different ways to succeed. And that's, I think it puts the power back on the individual to say, Hey, look, you might not have got it the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, thousandth time. But with this idea, you have the ability and power to adapt, to move forward, to try new things. And it doesn't define who you are for the rest of your life forever. And the other interesting thing you mentioned is I think that when you talk about mindsets, you're right in the sense that people haven't looked at it or studied it. And it was something where I naturally was curious about it. And so I kind of took it for granted. And if you never study it or see it as a field of study, you're going to think that the way you think is like just natural and unchangeable. And this is just the way it is because it's like, how could I change my thinking? I just think, you know, it's, it yep. seems ridiculous from the other side, but you can do it. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just like, this is how I operate in the world. Why would you think that I would, I would change that? And so I'd love for you to get into those mindsets that you've identified so people can have a view because, oh yeah, the last thing that I wanted to share, I think is so important is that the way that our culture seems to be set up is a way that is not conducive to positive growth mindsets. It's yep. not conducive to self-love, empathy, compassion, um, problem solving. It's more around success, competition, acquisition, um, and, and really negative frames. And Bruce Lipton, when he goes, I saw one of his talks, he always asks like, how many people here like really genuinely love themselves? And he says it's 5% of his audience, if that. 5% of people are actually like, I, uh, I love myself and I'm proud of myself. And I think that that's so ridiculous. And I think it's yeah. so ridiculous that I personally have had to put so much effort into just being okay with who I am existing on the planet. It's an absurd yeah. thing. So I just wanted to say all of that to just say, hey, it's the natural thing, kind of, and the common thing to not have a positive mindset to be a bit grumpy and also to be an a-hole to yourself for whatever reason that seems to be the common pattern. So that's okay. Don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up, but now use the tools that are available, the psycho, the psychological research out there to then empower yourself to make a shift. And so please yeah. continue. That was a lot. Yeah. So I want to dive into these four. We're going to talk about four different sets of mindsets, but to introduce these, I, I want, I'm going to give you four different desires. Okay. So they are a desire to look good, a desire to be right, a desire to avoid problems, and a desire to get ahead. Like, are these bad desires? Desire to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. Like, 
on the surface, no, because who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems and get passed up? Well, nobody does, right? But here's the thing is that these are, you use the term self-limiting beliefs. I'm gonna use the term self-limiting desires, that these desires are foundational to our self-limiting beliefs because the focus is where? It's on us. And these desires are associated with the four negative mindsets that we're gonna talk about. And what we often don't recognize, because these, these desires are really easy to justify, right? As I, just, as I just identified. But there's a higher level of being, and there's a higher level of operating. So instead of wanting to look good, we want to learn and grow. Instead of wanting to be, to be right, we, we want to uh, learn and grow. Um, it's, I messed that up. So instead of wanting to look good, we want to learn and grow. Instead of wanting to be right, we want to find truth. Instead of wanting to avoid problems, we want to reach goals. Instead of wanting to get ahead, we want to help other people to be just as successful as ourselves. And, and these are just higher levels of operating. And oftentimes we just don't consciously get there because we don't know that it's actually there to begin with. And so just as I've been on my own mind, Mindset journey. It's just been such an enlightening experience to make what has been largely unconscious conscious and then now have this ability to do something about it. So uh, that's kind of a little prequel because these are some of these desires that limit ourselves, but at the same time are very justifiable. And that's where we, we run into our traps. That's when we get stuck under the table. That's when we're not able to break through the barriers that we've been struggling against for so long. And we don't recognize that it's us. That's amazing. And the only thing that I wanted to comment on in that is just for the people to understand how foundational important those distinctions are because they're archetypal. We're all most likely 99% of the population is going to be experiencing those. And so if you can get down to the fundamental operation of your mind and body, the most primal settings, that option, that base allows you to go further. And so like in martial arts, for example, or like computer programming, you need to go down to the most fundamental commands and operations and limitations so that from there, your growth is as large as possible like a tree in the roots. And so what you're sharing there is so massive that if a person is super depressed, if they're anxious, if they're um, stuck on whatever the case is, understanding those and just shifting that you're it's it's huge what you've just laid out there is huge so i just wanted to emphasize that and allow you to continue awesome no thank you so let's jump into the specific mindsets that are below these desires uh so you mentioned the first set we kind of bounced around it, it and that's the difference between fixed and growth most people have heard of these uh, many people have heard of these two mindsets and they rest uh, like the four sets of mindsets that we're going to focus on they rest on a continuum from negative to positive and we fall somewhere along this continuum. And the way that I'll likely talk about it is kind of more as a dichotomy, just to paint the difference between the two. But just remember, we fall somewhere along this continuum. So when we have a fixed mindset, we believe that we and others cannot change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. But if we have a growth mindset, we believe that we can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. And here's why this matters is, if we fail and we have a fixed mindset, so we don't believe that we can improve, how are we left to interpret that? 
but we're left to interpret that as though we are failures. And so those with a fixed mindset are concerned about avoiding failure, or in other words, looking good. You see, they see the world in terms of haves and have nots, and they want to be the have. And so when they come across a challenge uh, where they have to exert a lot of effort, then they're gonna back away from that because they're afraid of exposing their have notness. Whereas those with a growth mindset, they don't see the world in haves and have nots. They believe that the more that you can learn and grow, the more successful you're gonna become. So they put themselves in positions where they're likely to fail because they know that that's where they're gonna learn and grow the most. Does that make sense and resonate with what you've been reading in Carol Dweck's book? Yeah, 100%. And I think that you summarized it very, very well. And it, it really is a night and day difference because it seems again, like to go to the culture of things is like, we're only gonna experience the level of success as compared to how willing we're big to fail, you know? Mm -hmm. And if we can keep doing it in, in microcosms and keep be willing to show up, and, and the second that a person takes a failure as their identity, they're stuck. And culturally, that's the way it's kind of put upon us. Um, but when we come at it from a different frame and, and understanding it from a different point of view and see it as growth. But the thing is, it's tough because people are, people are kind of dickheads sometimes where they're like, you suck. You know what I mean? You try to quit your job and you fail. Now you're back here. Nobody wants that because they're like, oh, God, it's so, it hurts so much. And yeah. so, um, again, these frames and what you're sharing is so important. So I'll just let you continue because um, it would even just one of these will shift how you operate and view things. Yeah, let me, I'm gonna share a quote and give you a, a personal experience, an example. So this quote uh, came across, a, there's a journal that I use that have, uh, well, a planner that I use that have quotes in it. And I came across this the other day that I love. So it comes from Nelson Mandela. And he says, I never lose. I either win or learn. Like that is such a growth mindset perspective. Uh, when I, I used to have a fixed mindset, and I think many people have a fixed mindset, partly because our education system incentivizes a fixed mindset. I mean, what does the education system incentivize? Looking good, or in other words, getting good grades, as opposed to learning and mastering the material that we're studying. So um, when I went to college my freshman year, I had this fixed mindset, and I, at the time I wanted to become a medical doctor. And so I signed up for the Weeder chemistry class. And I promptly got the worst grade I've ever received from that class. I, I passed, but it was the worst grade. But it left me in with a choice at, at the end of that semester. Do I continue on this pre-med path or do I change my major? And my fixed mindset, again, this is all running underneath this level of my consciousness, is telling me because this didn't come easy to you, it's not right for you. So I promptly switched my major. Had I had a growth mindset, my growth mindset probably would have said, hey, your goal of becoming a doctor, um, you need to remember that this is a pretty difficult goal and you're gonna have to double down on your study habits, right? My mind just didn't even take me there because I didn't have this growth mindset that led me to think in that way. My, my fixed mindset was directing my behavior and then I was calling it fate, uh, to use that quote that we referenced earlier. So that, that's, a, I think, a great quote. And then hopefully uh, that example shows how our mindsets operate below the level of our consciousness to dictate how we think and how we behave and ultimately how successful we are. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think also that when we are faced with a challenge, a lot of the time we 
we're not up to the task because we're not inspired enough towards it. And I think that that's a big element too. A lot of people say, I've tried a lot of different things, but um, they didn't come easy or I failed. Well, if you can couple the growth mindset and determination, unwavering, you don't even need to know anything about mindset, anything about psychology, anything about life. If you're just determined wholeheartedly to go in a direction to achieve a goal, that's all you need. Because no matter what road bump comes across, your experience or your path there, you're going to move in that direction. And the nice thing is, even if you don't get to that goal, you'll be fulfilled because you'll be moving with meaning, right? And so whatever you're moving towards, if it has meaning, it's probably going to be challenging and you're going to need to embody the growth mindset. And if you can have empower, empowering frames and mindsets as you move on a journey of meaning, you're probably doing it in the most efficient way that I'm aware of at this point. And so, yes, please yeah. continue. No, so you segue into the next set of mindsets that I want to focus on really well. And here's, um, I love Carol Dweck's stuff. It is very foundational to everything that I focus on. If I was to say one limitation uh, of her work is she actually lumps together multiple mindsets. Uh, and, and it's actually what my research is finding is it's not appropriate to do so. And so as I'm looking at four different sets of mindsets, I thought that they would be rather correlated with each other. So if you had more of a growth mindset, you would be more likely to be positive on the other sets of mindsets. But the reality is it's, it's not that way, which suggests that these four sets of mindsets that we're talking about are very distinct factors. And, and yeah, there is a certain degree of overlap, but there really isn't much correlation. And so one of the th mindsets that you're touching on is the difference between a prevention mindset and a promotion mindset. So when we have a prevention mindset, we're focused on not losing. When we have a promotion mindset, we're focused on winning and gains. And to explain the difference, I want us to imagine as though we're a ship captain in the middle of the ocean. If we're a ship captain in the middle of the ocean and we have a prevention mindset, our number one focus is going to be on not sinking. We don't want any problems to occur. We don't want to take any risks. We don't want to rock the boat, right? When we have a promotion mindset, we're in the middle of the ocean, our number one focus is, I mean, it's not that we're not concerned about sinking, we are, but our number one focus is on getting to a specific destination. And, and so just imagine if we're out in the middle of the ocean and the storm comes on the horizon, what is that, promote, that, what is that prevention-minded captain going to do? Well, he's probably gonna just go wherever is safe, right? But somebody with a promotion mindset is gonna ask the question, is that storm standing between me and my destination? And if the answer is yes, then what that promotion-minded captain is gonna do is first, he's gonna kind of batten down the hatches. He's gonna make preparations for getting through the storm. And then he's gonna take the risks to go through the storm. You see, at the end of the day, those with the prevention mindset they end up in a destination they, did, they didn't necessarily set up out for. They just kind of were blown about by the winds and the currents of the sea. It's only those that have a pr promotion mindset that become willing to brave the winds and the currents of the sea that are able to end up at the destination of their own proactive design. So if we don't have this strong purpose, goal, or destination in front of us, our default is going to be comfort. And, and that's associated with this prevention mindset. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, hundred percent. And again, they're just such core fundamentals. It's like life by design or life by default. And by default is like the safest of the safe of the safe. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this mm -hmm. job. I'm going to go to the, you know, I'm going to do the safest possible thing ever. And I remember Jim, Co uh, J Jim Carrey in his speech, he talks about it and his dad playing the safe road, you know, and going to school for accounting and doing all that thing and providing for his family. And then he ends up leaving his job. And the point of his speech is just to say, you know, even if you do the safest thing, it might not end up being the safest road. So, you know, have the courage to chase your dreams. And when you do that, it's not going to be a fixed thing that's like so perfect. You know what I mean? Like the safe road has it all laid out for you. You know what I mean? And it's all padded the whole time. This is the way that, you know, you're going to go, but it's still not guaranteed, although you have the illusion that it is. And so, yeah, man, again, super good. Please continue. Yeah. So that's <laughs> our second set is this between prevention and promotion. So, so hope, again, as we talk about these, you, hopefully you get a sense of maybe where am I along this continuum, right? So the next set is the difference between closed and open mindsets. When we have a closed mindset, we're close to the ideas and suggestions of others. And when we're open, we're open to others' ideas and suggestions. We're willing to take them seriously. So when we have an open mindset, it doesn't mean that we can't take a stance, right? It doesn't mean that we have to go with whatever other people say. We can always have a stiff back. But an open mindset means that we have a soft front. We're able to take in information. And, and really sit with that. If we ask ourselves what leads somebody to have a closed mindset, at its foundation is that individual has the belief that they are right and that they know what is best. And when we believe that what we know is best, then we want to be seen as being right. And, and when we believe that what we know is best, if we, if we compare our mind to our bucket, to a bucket, then that means that our bucket is full. Well, what happens if we pour water into a full bucket? Well, it's just going to go off the side. We're not able to soak in the ideas and information of other people. Having an open mindset means that we leave room for the, for the idea that we could be wrong. We've got some space in our bucket between the level of the contents of our bucket and, and the brim of that bucket there's space to take in information. So when we believe that we can be wrong, what this does is it opens up the door for us to seek truth and to think optimally. And so this leads us to ask questions, to invite feedback, to invite new perspectives. And those are things somebody with a, a closed mindset would never do. And so at its foundation is those with an open mindset believe that they can be wrong and they're seeking after truth and thinking optimally. Those with a closed mindset believe that they're right, that they know it all, and they want to be seen as being right. Does that make sense, the difference between the two? Yeah, absolutely. And if you have the closed mindset, you're going to defend that point of view and not let new information in. And I learned something a few years ago that I really love and I address it sometimes. It's called the formula for truth. Shout out Corey Herter and his stuff because that was one of the best things that I learned. But he talked about you know, truth being on a, on a graph and zero to 90 degrees X and Y. And let's just say somebody has a completely opposing view, flat earth uh, versus round earth or square versus circle or Canada versus USA or tree versus, um, I don't know, sky, just, just total opposite point of view. You know, the first point is that they could simultaneously be right from some 
from one person, person's point of view and another person, the way they viewed it, they could be right. And one example I saw on Instagram, it was a silly one, but it illustrated that point where um, they would take geometry and from one view, it became a circle and from one view, yep. it became a square, square. But behind that, it was like, that's the truth, right? But what's even observing that and kind of go down a rabbit hole. And the other one is there's a, a picture of one of the princes, I don't know which one, and from one angle, he's showing three fingers like this. And from the other angle, it looks like he's doing, a, doing the finger, right? Uh -huh. And so somebody could say he was giving him the finger and the other person could say, no, it was three fingers. You couldn't see that. And if you've got the closed mindset, you wouldn't be open to that new information. And so if indeed it is all information on a chart zero to 90 and you represent the lower 45 degrees, they represent the upper 45 degrees, when you seek understanding, you're going to get a whole new world of information. It doesn't mean that you'll have to believe what they say. It means that you now have received and been open to so much more information that might help your point of view and help your understanding of the world by respecting and honoring another person's point of the world. And if, you, if you're always closed, you're missing out on so much information each and every day. You know, I can yeah. say to you, hey, you know, I looked at your book and you have this part of your book that's completely false it's totally wrong and you would go really what is that and you would you know i give you my book and you do the same thing hey matt like this is totally wrong I'd be like why holy crap like please tell me and then now i have a new understanding and from that i am more empowered myself and so i just wanted to share those examples because again it's very fundamental in how we operate in the world and one of them is going to give us more chance for growth opportunity and success yeah and what we see so often is when there's disagreement between two people, they see these different perspectives, is that, is that they, they can't even open their brain to seeing that alternative perspective. So in fact, research on politics has found that if you stick a Republican in, in an fMRI and you expose them to um, democratic ideas, Literally, that Republican, if they really identify with that Republican perspective, they literally shut off their brain so they, they can't take in that information. And, but the reality is, is if we could just create that soft front, take in more and better inf or different information, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're going to be the, a better thinker. We're going to be able to, to be a better seeker of truth. And navigate our world in a much more effective way that's a hilarious example and i love how you said like the truth and i'm sure we've all had those experiences when you've talked to somebody and you're very well aware that their point of view is let's say limited let's say wrong we'll just say limited yep. and and their brains are off and that's many many people so yeah if we're if you're seeking the truth and you're seeking understanding you're going to have a lot easier time i think and i and you'll be a lot wiser as you get older because I feel like on the flip side of that and just another human element to it is that everybody's view should be honored and respected. And if you respect the other human and they're coming from a genuine space, uh, they have a right to speak and they have information yeah. in, a, in a life that you know nothing about and probably could learn from. So, And that, that is an awesome segue if it's okay if we jump on to the next uh, set of mindsets. Because it's about what you just mentioned is how do we see other people? And, and so the next set of mindsets is the difference between an inward mindset and an outward mindset. 
When we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves as being more important than others. When we see ourselves being more important than others, we're inclined to see others as objects. They're either maybe a barrier that's getting in our way or an instrument to get us where we want to go. But when we have an outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves. Their needs and wants matter just as much as our own. And when we see them in that way, we're able to see them as a person and truly value them as such. And, and so that's, that's the difference between these two. And let me give you an example of how this plays out. And, and to be honest, I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but uh, when we have a pretty big homelessness population in Southern California, so it's not uncommon for me to pull up on a street corner and there's somebody there asking for assistance. And for most of my adult life, I would come up on a, a homeless person like this and I'd ask myself, uh, I, would, you know, I would see them as not doing their best. And when I saw them as not doing their best, I was really quick to become critical of them. You know, what are you doing with your time? Well, you're just kind of standing here. Why don't you go do something? Maybe go get a job, right? What's my likelihood of helping them if, I, if I'm being rather critical of them? Well, it's quite low. But what if I'm able to see them as though they are doing their best? When I now see them as, as though they are doing their best, it leads me to ask the question, what in the world has happened in their life that has led them to believe that this is the best way to live? Immediately upon asking that question, I become empathetic. And I'm, I'm much more likely to help them in the way that is they best need the help. So the reason why I like this example, because it shows how we see our situation shapes how we think and how we behave and how successfully we navigate it. And this is specifically, of course, focused on this difference between inward mindset and an outward mindset. So for most of my life, I would see homeless people as kind of being these objects. They're kind of getting in my way. But, but now I'm, I'm trying to be much more inclined to see them as people. And what does that mean for me if they're a person, right? And it causes me to be much more empathetic. And I'm going to be, a, when I have this outward mindset, I'm going to do a much better job of working with other people, with my colleagues. Uh, when I have that outward mindset. So we're going to be much more successful with an outward mindset. That's amazing, man. I really appreciate you sharing that example because it's a, it's a wonderful view. And one of the great teachings that I had from one of my teachers, uh, who's a Native American elder, David Lone Bear, he, he just say, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do them and don't tell anyone. And he's just like, he'll always say, you know, um, when, you, when you're coming, if you're coming to one of my talks, they're free. And if you see a homeless person, give them a dollar. Don't judge them. Give them what you have. And we in my town started to have more of a homeless problem. And it's an interesting thing because there is a ring of people where they um, get picked up and dropped off. And because they did a like a clinic of, um, of uh, I don't know what it is, like try and get them off the streets, drugs and all that stuff. So it's brought a lot of people in. So I understand that. But, you know, I gave money and I, and I do this, I gave money and uh, somebody made a comment said, Hey, Matt, you're part of the problem. And it really bugged me. And yeah. so I thought about it for a little bit. And I, and when I was listening to their point of view and they said, they're going to use it for drugs, they're going to use it for this and that. But I stopped and I've talked to um, four or five of these people and helped them. And that was one thing that I was taught. And I was like, what you're telling me and what you think and what you believe and what you're assuming 
is not correct with the people that I've talked to. Yeah, maybe they're on drugs, but have you been addicted to drugs before? Do you know what that's like? Maybe that's what they need right now because their life is so frigged up. You don't know anything about them. And I'd rather be compassionate in that moment and seek understanding and let them know like, hey, there is a human here that wants to listen and just give you that little bit of humanity at this point when like, I'm thankful I'm not on the other side. I'm thankful that I have five bucks and hopefully that will, um, you know, move into another direction. And actually, as I'm saying this story, there was a person in Maine that I interviewed and they were on the street and I, and I give them a few bucks and I talked to them and, um, they were, they're a great person, awesome person. And they ended up getting off the streets. They were there for a little bit, you know? And so like, your your view and the way that you shared that I think is important because I feel like people are very quick to judge and very quick to be not compassionate and then create a judgment and frame in their own mind why that is like the justifiable thing. But for me, it feels less human. It feels um, just not compassionate. So I appreciate you and your example. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and this is this is the set of mindsets I feel like I struggle with the most. Um, and so it's a consistent battle. And that's one of the things that I've learned about shifting our mindsets. It, it, is a, it is a consistent battle. When we understand that our mindsets are neural connections in our brain, then what that means for us is we've got to strengthen the more positive mindset neural connections. We've, we've all got them. They're there. It's just how strong are they? Are they operating loud and quickly? Or are they soft and slow? And, and the way that we strengthen and sh- the way that we shift our mindsets is by strengthening strengthening these more positive mindset neural connections, which means that we need to work them out. This isn't too different than hitting the gym. We can't expect to go to the gym once and become strong. This is something that we need to be conscious and intentional about. And to me, that's the power of this framework, right? We've talked about these four different sets of mindsets. One uh, on one side being more negative, on the other side being more positive. This helps us to identify where we are and where we need to go. And when we understand that, now we can start to implement specific exercises for us to get there. Um, and, and as a whole, what we're doing is we're making something that's been unconscious to us conscious. And that in and of itself empowers us to do something about it. And so for me, this has been just as helpful for me as I probably will be for anybody else because uh, the framework allows me to give me specific direction on what to focus on, helps me to know exactly what to focus on to get the most bang for my investment in terms of my personal development. Yeah, man, that's really well said. And I like when you said earlier about Carol Dweck's work, it's so important and it was foundational and is a very important read. But from that, we're always able to grow. And the more categories and the more we can understand about each one and learn the nuances and distinctions, it gives a better opportunity for somebody to make a more drastic and rapid change with that information. And one thing I want to ask before we, we go is, I've been always curious about why we have war, uh, why we have starvation, why this world, if you look and you're an alien in a spaceship and you look down, you'd be like, you guys get an F, like, what are you doing? And so that has to do with a lot with mindsets, right? We have a mindset right now where we're allowing starvation. We have a mindset right now, like culturally, where we are celebrating people with like money and, and not contribution. And it's being perpetuated by organizations. And have you ever seen, um, what is it? Shoot, um, the Century of Self by Edward Bernays. No, you might be interested in that. It was a yeah. uh, Edward Bernays was Sigmund Freud's nephew, 
And gotcha. he gave him his book, Unconscious Motivators, in his 20s. And he ended up working for the government and used mindset psychology on the masses. And I believe that they use that too. I don't know if your study kind of went down that conspiracy type of rabbit hole. But what I'm curious about is, do you see anything on like global mindsets? And is your research shown anything that could be useful at like a UN level or a planetary level that if people adopted them, we could move towards peace because I do see us as one humanity. That's great for me to say, but we have all these different cultures and all this bull crap and imaginary lines that is creating a lot of discord in the world that we live. What a, I mean, what a massive question and what a great question. And my perspective is surely limited, right? Um, but here's what I'm seeing is I'm seeing increased polarization within the world in a wide variety of ways. Politically, is that's obvious, but religious, I mean, even it's documented that, that people where they choose to live is they're choosing to live by the people with the same types of political beliefs that they have. So we are no longer even exposing ourselves to people with different beliefs like we used to. And so with this increasing polarization, while that is a negative thing, I actually see that there's a positive. There's a movement that's going on. See, as we, as we move further apart, there is a group of people, and, and you're one of them, which is popping up in the middle. That they're rising up and they're allowing, they're the type of people that are, that are willing to sit in the middle and take in ideas from both perspectives and just sit with them. And what are the merits of these different ideas? They're not gonna run off and say one is fully better than the other. It's just that some perspectives have pros and cons. And what this movement in the middle is, is what I call a mindfulness movement. And, and as we become, if we can help people to become more mindful, what we're doing is we're, we're freeing up greater cognitive capacity to be able to deal with the situations in which we encounter. The problem is, is nobody's talking about mindfulness um, as we grow up. Nobody's talking about mindsets. And we just come to adapt and adopt the more negative mindsets. We don't practice these uh, exercises that free up our mindfulness neural connections within our brain. And so our cognitive capacity for taking in new ideas and flexing based upon what's going on around us is we just don't have that skill set. But I feel like this movement in the middle is really starting to rise. I, I guess I feel like it's a wave that's crashing. And, and it, well, it's been building momentum and it's about to crash. And I, I'm excited for it to crash. Uh, I feel like I'm excited to be a part of that wave that's coming up. And so hopefully together, me and you and everybody else is a part of this middle ground can really help change the world um, in, in a way uh, that allows people to become more mindful, expose themselves to a lot of these things that are unconscious, because once we can become conscious of them, now we can do something about it. Amazing answer, man. And when you shared that, it, it made me think about religions, because I, I did, I've done a lot of research on religions, and I feel like, you know, if you look at wars, religious wars are a part of that. And if you think about your work in, in relation to those idea, ideas and ideologies, you could have a religion, religion A, B, and C. That's fine. Have it. Have that belief system. Have that. But the challenge comes in when they add the other elements of being closed and inward. And so from yeah. that, then they add protection and violence. 
And so yeah. that's what's kind of happening with these groups. You have these different camps and it doesn't matter what that camp, it could be a religious camp. It could be a nationalistic camp. It could be uh, a, you know, a philosophy camp of these people are better than those people. It doesn't matter what that is. You're welcome to have that perspective. And if it works for you, great. The challenge is when you add in those other mindsets where, yeah, you can protect it, um, but also, you know, what point are you adding a shield and then grabbing a sword with it? And I feel like all of us, if we can honor those different perspectives, have our own integrity, but be open, you know, and that's the challenge, you know, open up your shield without getting stabbed with, by the other person, you know? And so yep. this mutual respect uh, needs to be given on both ends. You know, and so I yeah. like the way that you phrase that. I mean, let's go back to those four, the desires that we talked about, right? You say, what's, what's the cause of all these wars or whatever? Desire to be right or desire to look good, be right, avoid problems and get ahead. Right? That's the root of the ugliness. But there's the better way to think about things. So instead of wanting to look good, a desire to learn and grow. Instead of a desire to be right, a desire to find truth. Instead of a desire to avoid problems, a desire to reach goals. Instead of a desire to get ahead, a desire to lift others. And, and if we can collectively make those shifts and be comfortable with those more positive desires, then you know, positive change is unlimited. It's just it's a hard, hard thing to get past ourselves, right? Because when we have those negative desires, we are in self-protection mode. When we have those more positive desires, we're in organization or world advance mode. And if we could get more people there, then, then the world's going to be a better place. Brilliantly said, not even going to add to it because I'm going to let that <laughs> sit as it was. Please replay those last uh, few minutes because they are super important. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your words. I'm excited to now dive even deeper into the book. I said, I only got a little bit. <laughs> it's hard when you create, I get so much stuff with like the podcast yep. and whatever, like, have you read this? It's like, you don't understand how busy I am. I do. But it's, it's kind of, it sucks too, because now I know I have to read this and I'm like, shoot. I was like, all right, put it on the stack, but I think it's going to go up there in, in order because also the other thing about your book is, uh, you're not adding on like unnecessary stuff. It looks like an easy read straight to the point and will be beneficial and effective. If I read a book that's going to improve my mindset, it better give me tools and techniques and understanding to do so. And you've, you've definitely done that. So thank you for your work and your research. Thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with anything that you wish that I had asked? No, I think you've been great. Thank you for creating a platform for us to have this conversation and, and one in which people uh, turn to for, for guidance in, in terms of their development and, and other things. And just uh, to mention about the book that's available for pre-order at Amazon or any other place you could buy books. Uh, I do have some pre-release copies. If somebody is dying to get a hold of those, reach out to me uh, via my website. And then uh, for, for you and for others, um, I am in the process of finalizing the, uh, the audio book. So if you listen to books, uh, that'll soon be available as well. And uh, just reach out to me and we can, uh, we can hook you up. So. Amazing. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Everybody listening, go get Ryan's book. Take the assessment at the very least. It's free. It's an assessment. Learn about yourself. Learn about who you are. And uh, yeah, support Ryan's work. And thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. So we'll definitely stay in touch. Thanks, Matt. Okay, take care. See you guys. Peace. 
there you have it guys the absolutely phenomenal ryan godfredson i hope that you enjoyed that episode it was full of such amazing effective practical well thought out and researched information so this is a super great podcast i hope that you support the show by sharing this with your friends tagging me on instagram uh sharing screenshots of what you like um giving us feedback do you have any questions comments anything like that hit me up anywhere on social media on facebook instagram youtube wherever would absolutely love to hear from you thank you so much to everyone who supported on patreon all my patrons uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair if you want to support there everyone who's doing an act of kindness thank you thank you thank you and also for leaving a review in itunes they help so much to get the word out there so thank you very much for all of your support out there it is appreciated if you guys want to check out the all new mastermind body and spirit academy which has exclusive training and an absolutely amazing video course that just came from the 21 day challenge that will help you get super clear focused and set you up for really aligning your life around your values what you what you feel is most important around your soul's mission anything like that that is really what it covers it is a deep dive into your own mind body and spirit to help you get crystal clear on where you want to go and if you want to go a step further um, and do some one-on-one coaching hit me up matt at matt belair matt at zathlete.com um, over or over at mattbelair.com. Um, in the background, I'm here, my little girl screaming at me, so I'm a little bit distracted, and I'm just going to let this one roll, and I'm going to um, stop it here so I can go up there, and I'm going to play around and have some fun. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you very much. I hope that your year is starting well, and uh, I hope that the podcast is supporting you and your life and your family. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll check you in the next episode. So let's come to a state of peace and coherence before we close it out. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.